0: Thriving in today's fast-paced world of change and disruption requires innovation. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that explores the ins and outs of innovation with raw stories, real insights, and practical advice from the best and brightest in the world of startups and innovation. Each week, we'll bring you the latest ideas in lean startup, design thinking, corporate venture capital, and more. Now, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Uh, we're, we're about 16 episodes into this, and little-known fact, uh, this isn't just me and Brian uh, constantly coming up with interviews. We actually have a whole team behind us. You, you hear our producer, Vicki's voice, at the beginning. Uh, but somebody I want to bring on to the show today is our marketing analyst, Bill. Uh, Bill is constantly out there scouring uh, the internet, trying to find good articles uh, to inform uh, the trends and the themes that we bring up on the show, as well as finding great guests for us. And it, just recently, I was talking to him about some of the articles that were getting the most excited and, and said, well, why don't you just come on the show and let's just, let's just talk a little bit about some of these interesting trends and some of these interesting ideas. Uh, maybe give some of our readers just an insight into some of the stuff that we're looking at and we're trying to study, and then we'll include in the show notes uh, a couple of these articles uh, if you want to dive in a little bit deeper. So,
1: Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is great to finally join the famous podcast, Brian Artinger and Josh Barry. So i um, happy to share whatever thoughts I have, and I think we have some interesting stuff today.
0: Yeah, Bill, uh, you, you've been really great at finding some good uh, people to bring to the show. I uh, was really excited about uh, the interview that you set up for us with with Dan from uh, American Family Ventures uh, from, from the previous episode. And it's just, uh, thank you so much for all that you're doing. I know that our listeners really appreciate all the hard work that you're doing behind the scenes. So uh, what do you got for us first, Bill?
1: So we have been focusing a little bit more on startup corporate collaboration, and there are a few reports and articles out there that are a little more popular um, lately. So um, I thought we'd present them today. One of them is from a company called Mass Challenge, and it's a little bit longer report. Over 100 companies surveyed with at least $5 billion in sales. So um, a legitimate survey, and it sort of outlines the state of startup corporate collaboration all over the world. Um, obviously, that's still in flux, there are all sorts of models being used. But it kind of outlines what startups are looking for from corporations and why corporations are looking to startups at an earlier stage.
0: Sure, sure. Well, one of the things I liked about it, first off, Mass Challenge is, uh, is a legit group, um, huge startup accelerator that, that doesn't take any equity and it's a non for profit. And uh, still, they've been able to produce about uh, over 800 alumni over $1.4 billion in follow-on funding. So they really want to give back to the startup community, and they've seen a lot of this interaction between corporate and startup partners. Um, but one of the biggest trends that I think they illuminated in the report is obviously that more and more corporations are seeing partnership, uh, collaboration with, uh, regardless of the model, they're seeing the importance of working with startups growing And that actually uh, over 80, I think it was 82% of them or something, Bill, that you shared with me, uh, viewed it as somewhat or very important that they interact with startups.
1: Yeah. So, um, and I even got to speak with a couple of the startups from companies mentioned in the report. Um, They've been through Microsoft's Accelerator and Barclay's Accelerator. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found that a lot of their insights mirrored what's in this report. So, um, I think it's definitely a good place to check out.
0: Um, so, so those were people who went through I- accelerators, but but those aren't the only models that people are talking about in this report. Uh,
1: right. When right, we right.
0: when we talk about our clients uh, and 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 some of the other people that we're talking to, uh, people are looking at accelerators. They're looking at incubators. They're looking at just uh, straight up uh, corporate venture capital funds. But but I think the overall takeaway that I had from this report uh, was. Some of the best practices from the best corporations uh, as they engage with startups and then vice versa, because uh, one of the interesting things that came out of the survey was 50 percent of startups saying that their experience interacting with corporations was mediocre or worse. So there's obviously a, a growing pains that are here, uh, yet uh, plenty of people who are pushing ahead and trying to figure out this space. One of the reasons why I think that uh, so many people are starting to work with startups at an earlier stage versus having to wait to acquire them later is it's kind of like a dating phase, right? You can get to know the startups a little bit better. You can already have some solid workings before you go and approach them. And you might be able to find some uh, potential deals earlier on than potential competitors. That said, the, the report also highlighted that it's, this is very much in its infancy stage in terms of how corporations are working with startups, uh, how they structure it, et cetera. I mean, even even a quarter of the companies claim that they didn't even know what their innovation budget was. Uh, so so there, there's obviously a lot of growth and a lot of uh, continued work that can be done in this area, but it's obviously a very promising place because – Many times corporations struggle to be able to innovate very effectively on extremely disruptive, moonshotty type things. Uh, I don't think moonshotty is a word, Bill, but I'm gonna make it one today. Yeah, I think it is. Um, Oh, it is, good. Good Moonshotty TM uh, (laughs) is uh, extremely important because uh, you can work with all these startups. I mean, tens of thousands of startups that are going, uh, that are starting and and unfortunately sometimes closing uh, every year. And being able to get access to these people who are working uh, diligently on maybe issues or opportunities that are core to your your large corporation is absolutely a way to accelerate innovation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on, just on that thought, another thing I've been hearing um, from some of these early stage startups that have been collaborating is obviously time is your most valuable resource when you're that early uh, that young as a company. So these corporations that have been reaching out to them and working with them uh, a little earlier on have been struggling to respect that time management Mm -hmm. that they need to have. Mm -hmm. So that's a big learning um, challenge for, I think, larger companies who, you know, uh, respect the startups, but just don't understand how important that time is early on. So,
0: Yeah. You you almost need to create uh, like a dual path, right? Here's the process that we have for when we are evaluating a potential acquisition uh, or merger with uh, a large established company. And then here's the path of how we engage with startups, because uh, how people, how you pull in legal, how you pull in compliance, how you pull in public relations, all of those different things can move at different speeds, uh, depending upon if it's a traditional M&A or if it's a traditional startup collaboration. So, well, one of the things I think, Bill, that, uh, that was brought up in the report uh, that's obviously continuing to grow in one of the... Uh, ways that's maturing much more rapidly, especially last year, is the amount of people who are getting into corporate venture capital, uh, which kind of brings us to the second article that that you brought forward.
1: Yeah, so this is from the Wellspring blog, um, just about the sort of the rise of corporate venture capital and um, you know how it's kind of unique uh, compared to traditional venture capital. And um, I think a lot of companies have had a lot of success. We we've spoken with a couple guests on the podcast this season. Um, of similar programs sort of sourcing startups through uh, venture capital, either partnering with existing firms or starting their own branch. So, and we had a great episode with Dan Reed at American Family Ventures um, that kind of complements this post.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, in terms of why people are doing corporate venture, uh, you know, if people are piling onto it is as, as a way to not only get access to other trends uh, that are happening, but also to continue to increase the value of their firms. And so that was an interesting thing from the Wellspring article that you shared with me is that uh, there's actually been some studies that are showing to, um, that the higher investment is actually leading to higher market value. Uh, and so these corporate venturing strategies, even though sometimes they feel like making looser bets maybe than they would from a more traditional M&A strategy, are actually starting to pay off for uh, these companies that are adopting it. Mm. Another thing uh, that I saw was interesting is just how much uh, corporate venture capital uh, deals have increased over the past few years. Um, really, 150% growth over the last five years in corporate venture capital deals. Uh, that, that's that's phenomenal in terms of the number of people who are getting into the market and even even here regionally uh, in the Midwest, we're seeing more small to mid-sized companies, uh, you know, $50, $100, 250000000 million companies who are starting to dabble in corporate venture capital. And so it, it's, it's interesting to see um, how you don't need to be, you know, a massive Fortune 500 company to be able to start to play in this game and hopefully start to see some
1: value. That's interesting. I'm kind of curious your thoughts on that small to medium in the Midwest U.S. What does venture capital look like out there right now?
0: You know, we do have some active groups uh, who are here who are, who, are, who are continuing to figure it out. Again, still kind of smaller staffs, uh, three, five people. But there's even been more established ones. As, as I mentioned during that interview with Dan from American Family Ventures, um, they, they have fewer than 10 people on their staff now, and they've been doing it for several years. But The type of activities that they're doing are very broad, from sponsoring accelerators to uh, actually doing traditional VC analyst due diligence and trying to find investments that they're getting into. And so uh, it's still in its infancy, uh, and people are starting to get into it more and more. Normally what I see is it's almost the next step from a CEO or other executives who are involved in angel investing – And then they see how that can continue to be a strategic uh, add-on to their company. Maybe they already have a chief investment officer, especially in insurance or or finance, or they have an R&D group. And figuring out should they get into corporate venture capital, either for themselves or partnering in somebody else's fund, uh, seems to be kind of a next logical step. Speaking back to, uh, again, the, the wide strategies that people are using for this, you mentioned at the very beginning the people who've gone through uh, the startups that you've talked to who are going through Microsoft's uh, corporate accelerator or other corporate accelerators. Bill, in the final article that you brought forward, uh, it was completely contrary to what I thought was going on. Uh, and so tell me a little bit more about are corporate accelerators increasing or decreasing? What, what are the stats saying?
1: So some corporate accelerators are closing. The the launching is what's really slowing. In 2015, 45 corporate accelerators were launched. In this year, so far, only five have launched. So still some time to go. But speaking with the startups that passed through some of the corporate accelerators at Microsoft at Barclays, um, I think all three teams felt that they, neither company, had it really fully fleshed out. Um, Microsoft less so, but um, at Barclays, and a team that is working with another bank um, on a pretty large scale right now, they just feel like the corporations don't know how to kind of work with them and speak to them. Um the collaborations are sort of messy right now. So I think corporate, maybe corporations launched a, um, an accelerator to complement their, their ecosystem for innovation. And maybe it got a little frustrating in that early round. We spoke to Daniele at ING about the innovation Outpost and he said the first year was uh, a little bit messier than the second year when he had board support mm-hmm. and a few other things changed. So I think what's maybe happening is corporations just aren't having that mindset that maybe Daniele had with ING, a longer-term approach. And uh, when they don't see results or they, they see some problems early on, they're they're closing up shop or they're not so excited about the concept.
0: I, I think you nailed it there, Bill. It has to be a very long-term commitment. Uh, the episode where we featured Brian and Steve from the Seed Sumo Accelerator, which is a corporate accelerator part of Nutrible, several hundred million dollars successful nutrition supplement company, uh, you heard them talk about it's going to be a 10-year journey, right, that they're on to, to figure this out. Uh, and if I'm a public company and I'm starting to see, I mean, the, the expenditure, I know a couple of these corporations that we've talked to, uh, they're spending two, three, four, five million dollars a year uh, for the budget of one of these accelerators, and if I start to tell you, and we maybe potentially might see a profit in six, seven, eight years, that starts to become a very hard thing to swallow for shareholders. Uh, so I, I'm what, what I encourage to people when, when I'm when I'm talking to uh, corporate innovators who are thinking about potentially starting an accelerator. Uh, There's other more zero uh, entry pool type approaches that you can dabble with first, right? Reverse pitch competitions or sponsorship even of accelerators or other types of ways where you can start to engage with the startup community uh, that don't require you to have to jump into seven-figure multi-year commitments uh, in the accelerator space.
1: From uh, Cyan O'Sullivan from Beagle at Microsoft's accelerator was talking about how recommends the corporations even as a startup that they start the relationship small and maybe just do a smaller project with one team or um i don't know some sort of pitch some some unique little project on the side before they uh scale into moving a team to seattle for three or four months and making the deal of the accelerator so um obviously that's all about preparation but um you know it sounded like all three teams preferred the corporations get a little more insight from the from the finalists that were chosen for their accelerator before they actually launched the program. A lot of the frustration stemmed out of just poor preparation.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I I think I've seen also a trend of a couple places, Atlanta, I think Kansas City's trying to do this, where there's multiple corporations coming together for an accelerator. Uh, And so uh, you can start to share the cost a little bit, as well as if there's uh, especially some sort of um, common interest in in some of the things that people might be working on you could start to again kind of hedge your bets so it's it's again kind of a light approach going into it and maybe just maybe there's one of the corporations who's already had a little bit more experience into it and so uh to kind of hedge on what you just said Bill which is um, rather than going out and having to figure it out all on your own, um, maybe you can start to partner with some, another corporation who's actually getting into that area or has done it a little bit and start to to learn from it. But, but again, typically in non-competitive industries.
1: Okay. Got it.
0: Cool, Bill. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, keep up the great work that you're doing for, uh, the inside outside podcast. Thanks for all of the work in terms of the articles that you're bringing and let's do this again sometime.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, everybody keep your ears open for a few episodes coming up. We have some great guests, so look forward to hearing them.
0: All right. Take care, Bill. See ya. Well, that's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, reach out and let us know uh, what you're thinking. Uh, give us your feedback. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at the IO podcast. And if you have 30 seconds to spare, please, we'd love to hear from you on iTunes as well. Go over there, review us,
1: uh, give us uh, an opportunity to uh, earn your trust and business, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Till next time, go out and innovate.